You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it. Hey, vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, the fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who Podcast. That's right, folks. We are back. And guess what, folks? We are talking about the Third Doctor era. That's right. We are looking at The Colony in Space, a 1971 six-parter, which we had to sit through and we enjoyed. Featured Joe Grant as the companion, John Pertwee as the doctor, and Roger Delgado as the master. And it was a lot of fun. The chemistry between them is awesome because i think this is only what is this the third time the master appeared at this point sure i think so yeah whatever you say yeah i think so (laughs) so yeah so it's early on in that so it's pretty awesome and we got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about with this one and we got a great crew lined up to talk all about it joining us going way way back we have dave west rejoining us welcome back sir Hey, Phantomaniacs, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. God, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can hear it every week on the Needless Things podcast. <laughs> well, you can, but not on our show. So it's, no, no. no. But yes, uh, for those who don't remember, Dave was actually the original co-host of the Earth Station Who podcast. What did I get, 100 episodes? You made it to episode 100. And then you, said, then you yeah, bailed on us. You were like, <laughs> I am so done with you guys. I got, I got I'm, real busy. I'm, I'm still real busy. This is actually a very, and I'm not trying to sound all like awesome or anything, but this is a special occasion because I, I don't go on other people's shows anymore. I just don't have time. No, I totally understand that. You I know. know you understand. <laughs> I do understand that completely, but it's it's um, it's great to have you back. It really is. It's, well, it's great to you, be back. You've been when missed. I got the invitation. I, I, was, uh, I was excited to make time for this. Well, don't ever forget us when you become big and famous. You know, that's all we ask. <laughs> you've been saying that for a decade, Mike. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> And you know, you say you'll go. Okay, I'll come back with you guys. What the hell? <laughs> but it's great, dude. And we also have our regulars with us. We, of course, have Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody! It is fantastic to be here. Is it kind of weird to have your past regeneration here? It's <laughs> always weird to have another reincarnation sitting in with you. Exactly. It's it was, it was an interesting episode when you Dave, you know, regenerated into Mary. But you know. <laughs> 
It was pretty awesome, though. The very special episode. Oh, very much so. <laughs> and, you know, and then, of course, Mr. Howdy Mike himself, Mr. Michael Gordon is here. Howdy. Welcome back, sir. Ready for a fun Pertwee episode. Absolutely. So it should but be. But instead, you got this one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, it's going to be a fun one tonight, folks. It really is. It should be. A, it's a good one to chat about. We, you know. We'll go as far as we can with it. We'll see where we go. But, you know, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please let me know how you guys are doing, what's been going on with you guys. How's 2021 so far? We have, you know, come to you a couple times. And, you know, we definitely want to hear what you guys have thought about our episodes. What do you guys want to see with us? Please, of course, as always, write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. You know, if you know, if you have friends who are Doctor Who fans, tell them about us. And you guys have been doing that. We've been getting more listeners, and thank you, thank you for that. And to our five regulars out there, we really appreciate you. We really, really do. Please, wherever fine podcasts are found, you can find Earth Station Who. We're even now up on Amazon and Audible.com. So you can hear us, and you could even go, Hey, Alexa, listen to the Earth Station Who podcast. And it's pretty darn awesome because Alexa will take you there. So it's pretty cool. So definitely, you know, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, shout it from your rooftops, Earth Station Who. Definitely would appreciate that. Uh, no real new Doctor Who news to talk about at the time. But before we started recording, Dave actually brought up and was talking about some Doctor Who toys. We actually haven't, you know, dived into that for a bit. And it's pretty awesome. Um Dave, you want to bring up what you were talking about? Yeah, since I was coming back to the show, you know, toys are my thing, and I had to bring some Doctor Who toy news with me. It's not necessarily recent, but it may be something that our, our, your listeners aren't aware of. Uh, character options or underground toys uh, have had kind of a dry spell for the last few years as far as the five-inch action figure line goes. But a few months ago, it was actually a little little prior to the holidays, a bunch of figures popped up on Amazon. Uh, if you go to Amazon or smile.amazon.com where you can select a charity to donate to with every purchase you make, you can see a ton of new and reissued figures. Uh, there are a number of Dalek 2-packs from specific episodes like the Dalek's Master Plan, uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth, uh, lots of different, the stylized, different looks of the Daleks. Uh, and then there are also several three-packs of the Doctor's Companions. Uh, there's one with Romana, both versions of Romana, and then Sarah Jane. Uh, there is, of course, this is one of my favorites that I ordered immediately from Terror of the Zygons, the fourth Doctor with his scarf, uh, or his plaid, his tartan scarf and his tam uh, and two unit um, officers. And then another variation three pack with two different versions of Romana and Sarah Jane, uh, just all kinds of really cool uh, new decos that we haven't seen on these characters before. And they're all very affordable right around 25, 30 bucks each, which if, if you've collected these in the past, you know, those prices are great for three figures. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also they have reissued a number of the doctor and TARDIS sets. If you remember those from, eight, nine years ago, maybe from the 50th anniversary, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, 
they released uh, Doctor and TARDIS sets for each of the Doctors, and it was the electronic flight TARDIS that had all the lights and sounds and everything. Right. And it was a little pricey, but they've reissued those without the electronics. So now, for about 25 bucks, you can get... Uh, they did the second, third, fifth, and seventh Doctors, I believe. There might be more, and I just haven't found them yet, because... Amazon's not always the easiest to search if it's not a big mainstream item you're looking for. But if, if you need, like I, I didn't have a second Dr. TARDIS uh, and I, I don't need the lights and sounds cause I've got one lights and sounds TARDIS and that's good enough for me. So I ordered that one and it's, it's an accurate, you know, version of that model for a great price. So there's a lot of stuff has been popping up uh, over the past few months that, it's really cool to see this range refreshed again because it was a collection that I loved that even though I didn't have Doctor Who figures as a kid, it made me feel like a kid because that's what I wanted more than anything back then was Doctor Who toys. And now they're they're back in a pretty significant way, and I think it's great. That is awesome. Yeah, I used to have when they were doing – started with 9 and then 10 and going yep. into 11 with the 5-inch figures, I used to have pretty much as they came out, I would get them. And I had because like, at the time you were like, this may be it. Yeah, going to buy every one of these that comes out. These are Doctor going... Who toys, exactly, exactly. Right? What is it going to go away? And you know, I spent a pretty pic- you know picture, even the spider, you know, princess or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it was there was some great, great stuff. But then they switched to the smaller ones, to the three, three and a quarter. That lasted about two years and just bombed. And with uh, the thirteenth Doctor. The, the first thing that I saw after that where they, they kind of had a little bit of a resurgence was her figure. They did a five-inch figure of her. Uh, and it was kind of like, hey, we're back. We're doing these again. But then they released her, and that was it. And there was nothing for a while. I think they did a version of her with the jacket and a version without the jacket. And that was all I saw for quite some time. But now, there's, there's like I said, there's been a little bit of a resurgence over the past several months here. So there's there are if, – if, the dry spell was getting to you. There are Doctor Who figures to be had again. That's... And we can hope that one day we'll get a classic TARDIS uh, control room. That would be awesome. That, it's, oh, it's, wow, it boggles awesome. my mind yeah. that they never made that. You need the round things. Everybody needs the round yes. things. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is awesome. But yeah, I used to love those. Those were awesome. And I dare not start collecting those on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Judy oh. might have something to say about that. <laughs> oh, jeez. God, yeah. But because it, it's interesting because, you know, my big thing right now is still the Funkos. And I know I've been hearing rumors going around that Funko is letting the licensing for their Doctor Who toys go off right now. Um, they'll, they'll probably come back eventually. But, you know, with no new Doctor Who, but they also didn't do any new Doctor Who figures for this last season, if you noticed. They did the season before with the Kablam and some other characters, even the new Dalek. But this last season, they didn't do any, which is really interesting. I would be... say that the series doesn't seem to be giving them a lot of options on what to make toys of. I mean, <laughs> part of it is, sure. is, is that, you know, I'm like, what would you want a toy of well, from the, the last season? The new Master. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, have we got any masters as Funko figures? You have a Missy. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. But they don't have, you know, they don't have a classic like Delgado or Ainley master. 
or even yeah, I think I was frustrated because they never really did. I figured it was a no brainer that they were going to give us at least every incarnation of the doctor, but -hmm. I think they've only given us a handful of them. Yeah. They have a color and a black and white version of one of Dr. One. Um, I don't think they did two or three, but they I did. So they did Tom. They did, they did a they couple. Did ver- they did a couple versions of Tom. They didn't do uh, Peter or Colin or Sylvester, and then they, of course, did. Um, they didn't do eight, but they did nine, and they've done tons of Tenant, done tons of Matt Smith, tons of Capaldi, and they've done three different. Did they do a War Doctor? Did they do? I don't think they did a War Doctor, which hmm. would have been interesting if they would have. It's really bizarre for Funko to not hit every nook of a license that they have. I wonder if maybe they just didn't have anybody on board who understood what to do with Doctor Who. Because it sounds to me like they hit what was popular at the time and what they knew was popular, like Tom Baker, for instance, and and didn't really dive much deeper. I wonder if they just didn't have somebody with the knowledge that's a good possibility because they did three different versions of the TARDIS. They did a regular tar- standing TARDIS, but they also did the TARDIS that um, got decorated and painted on from oh, yeah, yeah. the last Clara episode. And then they also did a materializing TARDIS, which is half transparent. And I don't have that one, but I've seen it. There's only, th- um, I think, two or three figures that I don't have of the Doctor Who and that was the thirteenth Doctor that they had at San Diego Comic Con with her in the jacket that they did, and that's going for something like four hundred dollars now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not spending that kind of I money. I don't understand why you don't have that one. And, and, <laughs> and then they have a Capaldi in the spacesuit, and I think that one I saw was like two sixty. And but I think I have all the other ones. I even have like Amy Pond. I even have Rose. Yes, I do. And I, I wonder if uh, they just don't. I mean, I don't know how Funko does outside of the United States, or I should say, continental, you know, North America, because you know, obviously, if they were targeting British audiences, I would think that all the other former doctors would have been a no-brainer. But maybe in the states, that that's not that lucrative for them to to consider doing that. No, that's true. It's very possible, but I know Funko's very popular in the UK and in Europe and Asia. It's huge. I even get um, emails from Australia with Funkos and such, and because mm. that's usually my go-to is getting the stuff from Australia that I can't get at cons here because they they usually put them out exclusively for Australia also, and it's pretty awesome. It's very strange, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think. I think there's a history, though, of, of the BBC not knowing how to market the show. I think we've talked about that many, many times. Uh, yeah, and that's, yeah, that's, that's also. That, yeah, that's for, sure. for, for a company that's really, like, you know, focused on making money, they leave a lot of, a lot of money on the table. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's surprising because there's a demand for it. And there's I've seen custom-made of the second doctor and third doctor but that's it's obviously it's custom mm-hmm. and it's right. not up to the same quality as the stuff that funko pops out so but yeah it's pretty awesome so um also i saw that build-a-bear just announced 
this last month that they are doing the 11th doctor now. So you can actually now get Dr. 10, Dr. 11 and Dr. 13. So it's pretty awesome to see. And if you're into build a bear, it's pretty awesome. They also do a Dalek, but it doesn't look anything like a bear. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think if they've done anything that's just straight up, not a bear before. I'm, I'm sure they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, but, uh, yeah, yeah I think some of their Star Wars ones. I think they've done. Uh, they done BB-8. an R two D two. I think they did BB eight and maybe R two. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I know, sounds... I know they did a BB eight. Yeah. So uh, they've done they've done droids before, but uh, I have a Chewbacca. You have a Chewbacca. <laughs> I have a build a Chewy, build a Wookie. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, they even have. Um, it's pretty and I awesome. bet they they must have uh, Baby Yoda there. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, no Baby Yoda's everywhere yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty so. much a given. But it's pretty cool, you know, the t- different toys and everything. And I know they did, you know, Jody's Sonic Screwdriver, and you know, you can still you can get all that type of stuff out there. So, you know, I know friends of mine have every single one of the sonic screwdrivers that they put out and i think i had most of them but i used we used to have them set up at cons at ta- on the table and people used to ask us oh how much are you selling those for and i would say oh they're not for sale then judy would slap me why aren't you selling them <laughs> you can get a lot of money <laughs> and so i no longer have them <laughs> <laughs> so all right then you can get more exactly oh definitely because, yeah, and it's so it's pretty cool with that. But you could definitely get, you know, the Doctor Who toys of your dreams still, and it's pretty awesome. And hopefully BBC will get their heads out of their asses and, you know, pretty much. Yeah, don't count on that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I mean, look, if they want to leave that, like I said, those opportunities on the table, then so be it. But I guess it's less tempting for my pocketbook then. So uh, every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, I'd like to get that. The aforementioned, uh, you know, Terror of the Zygon figures. I'm like, ooh, that would be awesome. But yeah, I don't uh, I don't have to worry about it because they don't, you know, they yeah. trip over themselves not doing stuff. Right? Yeah, exactly. The Terror of the uh, Zygon set, you know, the one that has Harry leaving the show. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it's awesome. But yeah. So definitely, we'd love to hear from you guys at home. What would you guys want to see toy-wise? You know, what would you want to see an all Funko, all the Doctors, like in one set? Would that be kind of cool? Have all, you know, what, 14 of them now. So, and, you know, do 15. Why not, you know, throw in Peter Cushing's Doctor, too? Hmm. I See, I would love to see that. I, I That would be fantastic. I'd love to see Daleks from that. But that's an entirely different licensing deal. So it would be a whole other... Uh, can of worms. Oh, yeah. oh, another character I just thought of that would have been great for Funko to do. It would have been awesome to see a Ruth Doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would have been pretty cool to see. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think, like I said... And we still have that. not had a Graham <laughs> Funko. Come on. There is, a, there, is a, there is a Ruth Doctor <clears throat> figure, though, right? Um, Dave? I am not keeping track of the modern stuff at all all the class i think i think i've seen one i I have not seen one for sale but that doesn't mean there's not one on the way yeah yeah okay we'll have to look it up maybe for next time i'm only vaguely aware of who ruth even is okay (laughs) that's understandable (laughs) 
So, all right, let's take a quick break, and we will be back, and we are going to be talking all about Colony in Space. Let's talk nerdy. It's two nerd girls talking about nerdy things over a couple of drinks. What could go wrong? Part of the TSA Network. Welcome back. Now we are going back to April 10th, 1971, and we are talking all about Colony in Space, a six-parter written by Malcolm Hook and script edited by Terrence Dix, directed by Michael Bryant. And it's going to be interesting because this is the third appearance of the Master. It's the first time Joe Grant actually goes into space, and she Mm -hmm. actually even goes into the TARDIS for the first time. So she didn't even think the thing, oh, doctor, stop playing around. Let's get out of here. And, you know, and I loved it. You know, the brigadier, you come back this instant. And, he, <laughs> and the TARDIS actually did. It actually worked. <laughs> this is, uh, it's interesting because I, yeah, I wasn't, we've been, I, I'm sort of hot and cold on Joe Grant. I've been, I guess I've been spoiled because we've been doing, we've been reviewing some later episodes with her. And so I'd forgotten that like her first, I think, season uh she was pretty um bad actually like screaming <laughs> screaming, <laughs> yeah, yes. screaming Nitty, uh yeah. you know i think uh speaking of former co-host i think uh one of them referred to referring to her as a big ball of hair um uh, and uh big dumb ball of hair right it was you know it was kind of you know when she was in she spends the first episode or two just like wanting to go back she doesn't want to go into space she doesn't want to go on the planet she doesn't want to do this she doesn't want to do that and i was like this is this is annoying it's been a while since i've you know a companion that didn't want to do stuff you know but to be fair to her she it's not like she said take me off on great adventures (laughs) she just followed him into the tardis and then it left it's like i could kind of relate you know, when I was younger, I would have been the, yes, let's go to another planet, Doctor. That sounds awesome. But at this point in my life, if I ended up on another planet unexpectedly, I would be furious. <laughs> like, I could really relate to Joe in this. I'm not going to lie. Sorry. Don't you know I have to get to work? Yeah, Don't you I know I do? <laughs> I, I have the new episode of Superman and Lois to watch? Come on. you know. Well, I, let's not get ridiculous. <laughs> well. That's funny as heck, but yeah, and it's just, it it's very interesting that you have, you know, her, you know, who's supposed to be a trained agent, you know, a trained spy, and, you know, and of course she's thrown with the doctor as a lab assistant, basically, and she, like, the doctor's been telling her, oh, Joe, we're going to go into space once I get this fixed, and they actually do, you know, remote controlled, but they go, and... 
Oh my God! Some of the worst TARDIS effects ever. Oh yeah, what was up with this? <laughs> Materialize. Like, no, it just pops in. It's like that was I the guess, saddest thing I'd ever seen. It'd been so long since the TARDIS had left Earth. Even the producers were like, "We don't remember how <laughs> this works. How, how do we do this?" <laughs> I don't. Well, and I wanted to ask you guys because I I haven't watched any Doctor Who from this era in in years. So when that happened, I actually couldn't remember, like, was there a time when it did this? This or- was the only time, because okay. once, they, once they got it back, and, you know, because this is one or two times before the three Doctors that he go actually goes into space. Right, right. Yeah, this well, and that was when this episode started off. I was like, wait a minute, this is a little early, because I remember him being Earthbound for longer than this far in. But this is because it's under the Time Lord's control, which, by the way, can we talk about how different these Time Lords are from other Time Lords we see throughout the series? Yeah. Yes, yes and no. These are the Time Lords you actually see in the war games. These are – you even have some of the same actors who was who were in the war games. Yeah, oh, this is only, is this, okay. their, this only their second appearance? Kind of, Yes. Well, you, they, you, they were you, at the end of War Games, and then got, I, at the end of War Games, and you also see a Time Lord um, at the beginning of the season when the, he warns the Doctor that the Master is now on Earth. And okay, that, gotcha. And, okay, and everything. Yeah, but they just—they're just not what we think of now. No, <laughs> and that's, no, it's that's not right. the high—not the high collars, right? Or, right. That's right. what yeah. I grew up with. So the the big wild collars are, are like my Time Lord guys, and and you know they carried that forward into the new series as well. well. You got mm-hmm. you got a nice big high collar on the on the blind alien guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that thing was so creepy. That little tiny. <laughs> yeah. <brain alien>. yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, and then there was an even tinier one. That was one of the worst yeah, what, puppets what I've ever seen in my that? life. <laughs> and because I knew it was a master story, this is my first time seeing this one. And you know, I knew tons of times in Doc, in especially the Pertwee era, when the master appeared. Just a lot of times he was in disguise. And not this one. No, yeah, he. They didn't no, even bother. They didn't even bother. <laughs> well, even more often than that, though, he's not even in disguise. He just pops up. As a matter of fact, the story prior to this one. Um, Oh gosh, what the heck is it called? With the one before this Claws of Axos. Claws, no, there was the Mind of Evil, which was his second Claws story. Claws of Axos is the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Where it's a similar situation where they get to the, you know, halfway through the story or whatever and a chair turns around and it's like, "It's you." Every time Roger Delgado gets his I'm in this episode or in this story reveal, I think of Wallace and Gromit when he pulls the glove off of the penguin's head and goes, "It's <laughs> <laughs> and it's true it's the master i knew it you know but yeah and because like i remember when we watched mind of evil and the doctor oh i'm sorry the master was working at a university and he was you know he had the whole thing when you know when he had he even had his own companions people working under him mm-hmm. in the lab and they thought he was the scientist and he was treating them almost fairly and you know because they were building what he needed to you know control this other mind and evil it was just... can be nice yeah <laughs> to, to well, be fair 
um, you know, the master doesn't know that the doctor's not, um, you know, sequestered still on Earth. So why would he have to, you know, disguise Right. Himself, why would he bother? You know? Yeah, that's yeah, true. He's just like, I'm, you know, I'm out that's in space. Thing. I'm in the future. Doctor can't get to me. I'm just going to, you know, why bother putting on a stupid mask? I'm <laughs> just gonna like breathe, you know. I'm just gonna and, show up. And I did think his uh adjudicator adjudicator right, adjudicator outfit was kind of time lordish. Like it it yeah. had it didn't have like the big collar in the back, but it still looked uh pretty Gallifreyan to me. Yeah. Um he looked uh, more but, time lordish than the other time. And lorders. I do give the director credit for trying to hide, you know, hide who he was till like the reveal. I thought that was pretty well done. Oh, very much so. But the the whole time I was seeing those other aliens and such, I was expecting the master to be one of them, or was the master running the mining spaceship, or was the you know that's how my mind was working in this. It was just <laughs> well, like, that probably would have worked better. Yeah, <laughs> than what they came up with. And it was just like, what are you going to do, dude? You know, are you going to you know where is he going to come and? So you didn't see the master till the third episode of this. Yeah. So you, but not that you would have noticed because it felt like they were just trading barbs between the miners and the colonists the whole time. Well, that's time. all they were doing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of padding in this. This is six episodes. It feels like sixty episodes. It well, it's, just, kind of, it's one of the classic uh, Doctor Who tropes that because really watching this one like i said i haven't watched anything from this era in a while and particularly in the second third and early fourth doctor uh seasons whatever eras uh they have three or four stories that they tell over and over again in different ways i mean that's doctor who but it kind of made me appreciate that because it's almost and and look i'm getting ready to take a leap here you guys so just hang on stick with me doctor who's almost a little like shakespeare in that they have these basic stories but you get different creators different cast members uh different sets and they get told in different ways and that's part of what's so interesting about it like you can go watch a midsummer night's dream the, the same production company can do it and it's going to be different every night, but you can see lots of different ways of putting that play on, but it's the same words every time. And, and it struck me that Dr. Who's kind of the same way, like watching this one, we've seen this same story where you've got your, your good humans just trying to get by and your evil corporation trying to take advantage of everybody. Like it's these themes are, are over and over and over again in doctor who it's just how the creators handle them at the time and mm -hmm. and that's where i got my fun out of this story was seeing those themes and just watching them be presented a little bit differently with different faces yeah well that's i mean that's even a science fiction trope the sure absolutely the, the colonist fighting the evil Corporation, you know, whatever they are, corporation or empire. I mean, Star Wars uses that theme. When yeah, are we going to no. see evil colonists fighting a good corporation? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's flip it on its head. <laughs> that's uh, that's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> stupid liberal media. Um, I think. <laughs> hey, snowflake! Stop it. <laughs> Uh, this was the first time I'd seen this one, and uh, yeah, I mean, I thought I, I 
I did myself a favor and I broke it up. I didn't watch all uh, six episodes. Like I didn't binge. I think that was so, smart. Um, I I watched a couple like uh, one day and then I watched a couple the other day and then and then then finished it off last night. And um, so I think I didn't. I wasn't able to like feel. I mean, yes, I could feel like yeah, this is a little bit long, but it didn't feel uh, like taxing to me. Like oh god, I can't wait till this is over uh, because I generally didn't know what was going to happen um uh they they give you enough twists and turns that throughout that you're like oh there's monsters oh they're not really monsters oh here's you know the 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 uh the the, the corporation are the bad guys oh what the aliens are kind of bad uh well they're not really aliens uh, i guess the humans are the aliens on the <laughs> yeah, the humans right? Are, yeah. <laughs> right. so uh the pr- so there the you primitives. go there's your, the primitives there, there's the homesteaders um, yeah that's it and then uh and then the master pops up in in the third episode um which i didn't know was going to happen um so that to me was a i mean i should have known because you know with the third doctor stories they he just pops up all the time uh, but I don't take it for granted that he's going to. So I didn't know this was a master story. I thought that originally that I'd seen this one before, but I got it confused title wise. Cause I thought I've, I had seen frontier in space, which obviously this is not, but. Um, and so. not also not to be confused with Ark in space. Yeah. <laughs> Ark in space as well. Right, right, right. Or pigs so. in space. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the last one. So. Or, or revenge of the colonists, you know. Although, I mean, although the, 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 you know, the, the, the greenish aliens and the bodysuits or whatever uh, oh, kind God. of had like pig heads, you know, I mean, they, green uh, pig heads, green yeah. head, pig heads. Yeah. So they could have been labeled. that. And way. their leader was Sam. I am. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the buggies, the little, uh, you know, vehicles that they, ch- man, those things flew. <laughs> like, Everything. Like, see, no, th- those things were fun. The gadgets were fun. <laughs> the robots were fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Fast. We have never seen a robot move this fast in the history of science. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was hauling. And yeah. What was it, oh. that's that's what made it so scary is that it wasn't this lurching thing that was having trouble getting over like a small pebble in the sand like it just busted in the door with its giant robot claws. Oh, I love the claws that make it look like right. a dragon. Why is it? Ha- why is it a machine with with monster lizard claws? Like it's very clearly meant to frame reptilian beings for murder like that robot has no other purpose visually <laughs> exactly no it, it's not definitely not a mining vehicle at all <laughs> <laughs> no and that was part of the fun of it was that you know it was it was very very well done i got to watch some of the extras that they had on the dvd and they actually had to rent those vehicles because they had nothing like those in the BBC and cause they didn't want anything that looked modern. They didn't even want like a hum Humvee or anything because it's, it was too oh. 20th century. So that's why they had to find these vehicles. And that's why and, they actually worked. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing with these vehicles though, they had to guarantee that not one of them would be damaged yeah. during the shooting. And one got damaged and of course, the one scene where the styrofoam rock hits the vehicle and knocks the master and the doctor <laughs> out of it <laughs> onto That's its awesome. side, and it got a, it got, got a gash like this big in the side of it, and they said BBC had to pay through the nose. Oh for my gosh! It. Oh no! Yeah, 
So, and they were not happy with that. So it it was it was fun though because those vehicles were awesome. Those that was the best part, and better than that uh, rocket with the firework in it that exploded. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 yeah, because I would say that the, you know, the Masters uh, TARDIS described, uh, you know, uh, um, disguised as a spaceship um, just didn't make sense to me. Because when we first see it, it's, it's horizontal and then it turns vertical land. I'm like, why does it have landing gear on it? Yeah. I know. It looks it like, look like that really kind weird. of ship. Why and then we find out that? Then we find out it's a TARDIS anyway. So <laughs> it just it can pop in and pop out. But I when guess... It, when it turned horizontal and, you know, when it went, for, it went like vertical, it was like, oh, it has to be designed by Elon Musk. It has to be. <laughs> watch, watch the landing. Watch the landing. Surprised it didn't explode. Yeah. <laughs> um... But uh, today's point, one of the other things about that I like about you know, especially classic Who is when even when this when the storyline is is kind of drawn out or whatever, a lot of times they get these quality Shakespearean actors to appear in them, and so it does kind of give it a weight. Uh, you know, even the the silliest dialogue still has some weight to it in the proper you know delivered in the proper delivery. Yeah, mustache and I, and I guy. Uh, one of the colonists, the guy with the mustache. I, I wish I'd written his name down, but I didn't. Yeah, he was great. He had gravitas. He, he, you got invested in who he was and what he was doing. Uh, he had importance to the plot, which I feel like, and, and I'd be interested to know if you guys agree. It seemed to me they made a little better use of the cast. Like more of the colonists felt important and like they were doing things than we see a lot of times in Doctor Who. Like, usually they're one or two sort of central supporting actors. One of them dies, for sure. And then there's one left at the end to wave goodbye to the TARDIS when they leave. But in this instance, we had four or five people that all felt like, like as I was watching this, I remembered their faces as the story went along, as opposed to not being sure who was who. Yeah, and, and yeah. I thought that the uh, the company guy, the bad guy, the main captain there was very evil looking. Yeah, he was good. He was actually um, made a really good villain. You got you have his like his odd job hence, henchman, right? That's doing all the dirty work. And then you have mm-hmm. the guy underneath him that, you know, is, is subverting him. Like, you know, is, is actually, um, you know, agreeing with the colonists. So, yeah, so you've got a full range of characters here. Plus... You've got like this whole alien civilization, or I should say the primitives, quote unquote. And then we find out that they've got these weird like little guys with them. And then a very strange (laughs) little puppet guy, which I'm sorry. I love that puppet guy. Like, (laughs) Don't get me wrong. He made no sense at all. I love the puppet guy, but he was made by somebody who had never seen puppetry before. Oh, no. He looked like a sock puppet gone bad. I mean, (laughs) he looked like, do you guys remember Mr. Show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a Mr. Show sketch about a band called Titanica, and it features David Cross in a hospital bed with little, like, his (laughs) arms and legs look like hot dogs because he fell into an acid pool. This reminded me of that. I could see that. Yeah. His body had shrinken up, but his head was still full size. Yes. Yes. Which, mm-hmm. granted, I mean, that's where we're going to be in like 1,200 years, but whatever. Oh, of course. That's what. That's the way it's going. But that's uh, one of my problems with this one is that the per, the quote-unquote primitives are not developed at all. Right. I mean, right. they are just incidental, and then they 
pretty much blow up at the end. <laughs> well, they're there. The, the doctor does not care. <laughs> they're there for the whole. They are. They're they're a side sideshow to the whole right, thing. Right. But it is the core of the plot of well, you had the super weapon, and what happened to your society once the super weapon was developed? Did it do anything good for you guys at all? Like they they did. We did get that at the end where we had that fantastic master and doctor sort of showdown with the little puppet guy in attendance um <laughs> you know really nice acting and dialogue that scene was very dramatic despite the presence of a little foam rubber man yeah. but yeah but that doesn't come till the very end and yeah I, right I, right I felt it, well, like you know we would have cared more if they had spent some time developing you know so maybe at least one character and, and, among, and among the primitives they did struggle a little bit because really the only sense we got that they were even important was once the master did show up he was so focused on what, the primitive ruins. Uh, yeah, primitive. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. way that they say primitive ruins throughout this, it's like it's the name of a city. Yes. <laughs> we need Capital to visit B, primitive Capital ruins. <laughs> There's a new deli in primitive ruins. <laughs> but that's that's really, they did struggle a little bit giving context to the primitives. But I think that was partially because how much could they give away without, dropping that that was kind of the plot in the end because it was a nice surprise at the end that they did tie into everything the way that they did mm. oh i think you could have i've seen that i mean it's not like this is a new theme <laughs> I, yeah. I, i've no. seen it done better they, yeah, they could it, have they could have developed them somewhat. Like, i'm not surprised that an english show doesn't treat the primitives very well uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it was very colonial it definitely was on the side of the colonists oh very you know? much so and you know it, it had the you know happy ending for the colonists you know because that super weapon was destroyed the radiation that was destroying their crops you know now they can grow and that made no sense at all just no. because you've destroyed the source of the radiation the radiation is still there in the because, soil, it, it was because, kind because of like Dr. an old eighties cartoon, just, just poof, where they finally get away. it to rain, and that it's solves that kind all of, the problems. Yeah, <laughs> right, it's that, right. It, exactly. It's that kind of radiation. It, you know, <laughs> if, if you can't see it, it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 you know, despite the, the 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 some of the wonky writing, I did like some of the dialogue, uh, particularly with the doctor. Uh, my favorite, I think, line was when uh one of the uh uh colonists um ask him uh if he's some kind of scientist and he says i'm every kind of scientist like i just thought that was that was such a doctor's line so to say. <laughs> exactly um i also like the scene where the the master is trying to tempt the uh doctor to join him and what i was surprised by was that the doctor seems to be considering it like john pertwee actually gives us about a second or two where he's like maybe i could see nah i better not do that like it's it's like when data considers you know the board queen's offer (laughs) he spent 2.00001 millisecond (laughs) considering that but it's the classic evil uh, thought process that the master is tempting him with we could rule and bring peace to the galaxy it's 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 the emperor and vader or vader and luke or whatever yeah yeah like it's it's that old yeah i'm evil but 
under my control, things might be a little smoother. The, the trains but, might run on time. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I'm a bad guy, but if you're with me, maybe I, you won't make me that bad. I can get better, right? Yeah. You'll be, you'll be my conscience, basically. Which is an interesting dynamic between the master and the doctor, even this early in their relationship. Like, um, like this is only, as you said, Mike, the third or fourth appearance of the master, and yet already we're seeing that the master doesn't just hate the doctor and want to kill him. He wants the doctor to kind of join him and, and, and he wants to have, you know, adventures with him. Yeah. I always find that more interesting a more interesting take on, on the master than when he's just out and out trying to destroy mm-hmm. the doctor. It makes it much more interesting that they have this nuanced relationship where, you know, they kind of hate and love each other all at the same time. But he and still wanted him- to hold the, the galaxy hostage. Well, he sure. was uh, he's for still what? Master. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's still a master. He's not a good guy. No. <laughs> Evil can be nice. Right, exactly. And he, he seems um, to take care of his TARDIS better than, uh, than the Doctor does. Because yes. the interior of his TARDIS always <laughs> looks like really n- nice. modern and clean. Whereas the, the doctor's doesn't doesn't the look doctor's that good. A bad housekeeper. Yes. The, the doctor, unfortunately for him, one of the walls of his TARDIS is very clearly a painting. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's all. That's, well, you know, in the older Tardises, that's that, that's all that they That's a compliment, because uh, yeah, I I wouldn't have called it a painting. No, <laughs> it's just definitely flat. not. Yeah, it's pretty sad. <laughs> Which is yeah, because the the master Stardust doesn't have like a flat side to it that we see. It just got you know it's it's pretty good looking. But. Oh yeah, no. Which it is was... weird because I would imagine they just repurposed the the two. I don't think they actually had like two backgrounds or two whatever. I think they they probably just uh, you know relit the other one or something. But mm-hmm. it was just slightly different lighting, and it had tubes to hold the people hostage. Anyway, that was it. You know, I I did find it odd that is the minute that Joe Grant gets in there, she's like, "Uh, can I, I want to leave? I don't want to be in here anymore." And I'm like, "The Tardis is huge. Do you know he's got a pool? <laughs> <laughs> you could have your own bedroom in here. Come on, exactly. with like, bunk beds. Come on. You've, you've only seen one room. Like this is you, no, but uh, no. yeah. So I can't say that there was really great any great uh, uh joe grant moments in this uh, i no. mean there's a couple times where no. she you know she has empathy for uh you know some of the colonists and and but i don't think there's anything that she does you know with any agency in this storyline no, she's really just not giving her no. anything to do she easily could have been not in the story at all and it wouldn't have made any difference john pertwee on the other hand is an action-packed <laughs> ball of fire <laughs> Oh my God! Because he is awesome. Several he is, he is instances battling. of Venusian Aikido. I haven't said it in all. Is that right? Is that what he does? Yes, yes. that's right. Yes. Uh, it's his fantastic Time Lord martial art. Two fingers to the Lord. chest. Venusian. Oh, dude, he was Two flipping in- the chest. Yes. He was flipping aliens guy. with a stick. It was awesome. Yes. You know. Oh wait, sorry, natives. Yeah. I love how kinetic he is he you know despite his appearance as being you know an older gentleman like he runs he jumps he fights like he is a very active doctor he's not just a a a doddering on the sidelines uh well you know he doesn't need a, a young hunky guy with him to fight 
Mm-mm. He does no, it himself. Not at all. No, exactly. And that was the big thing with him was he was the James Bond doctor. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what, you know, he did all the stunts him, himself. And it was pretty awesome to see, you know. You know, he wanted it to be physical. He wanted the doctor to be fighting against these bad guys. And and he's a big guy, so he has the presence to to put that out there, especially with that opera cape swirling around him. <laughs> <laughs> and the ruffles, and the ruffles. Don't yes, forget absolutely. And I, I was, you know, I there were several times in the first, I think, maybe two, three episodes where I was like, hey, doesn't he have his Sonic? Why isn't he using his Sonic? And then sure enough, like, I think it's uh, episode three or four, he uses his Sonic for the first time. I'm like, oh, the prop guy finally found it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Well, exactly. And it was, he was great. He, I have no complaint about Pertwee at all. Oh, and no. Delgado was amazing. I no, think. exactly. I think Pertwee was good. I think Delgado did the best he could with what he had. <laughs> I think yes. the writing <laughs> let him down. <laughs> which, which is sad because I like Malcolm Hulk uh, as a writer, but this is not one of his finest efforts. <laughs> yeah, no, I agreed. And it was, I enjoyed it. And, you know, Let's move on. That's all we could say. I mean, to, there's to, not there's nothing really to say about the colonist or any of the other nameless mining evil people, you know. I mean, to, to Michael Gordon's point, it is true that it, it's a little unfair reviewing it by binge watching it because it's just it wasn't made to be viewed that way. And I think it would have been different with with a week in between. Between each episode, mm-hmm. yeah, or, or even even a day between each, like watching, yeah. you know, even if you did it, you know, uh, weekday afternoon style, I, I think right. it would have made a significant difference. One real quick something I noticed here, one of my last notes I've got. Uh, there's a scene that it almost looks like Star Wars lifted from this, where the primitive, primitives are up on uh, hills and stuff, and they're raising their sticks up like the Tuscan Raiders yeah. and the, one of the mining carts is racing through uh, kind the of quarry. a quarry. Yeah. <laughs> the quarry. And it the looks, quarry. yeah, yeah, it's the quarry. Uh, but I mean, it looks straight out of a new hope, which obviously is years after this. And it, it was so close to it. I got to wonder. Hmm. There's a possibility. I know. wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah. I'm sure some of the people who worked on it were Doctor Who fans. Oh, sure. I wouldn't doubt it at all. I did like the like the the battles they did in the mud, and some of the fights were pretty awesome. I almost 30... expe- oh, did they ever? But it was, I almost expected if they were going to go that you know watching it, were they going to go that dark that they drowned one like one of the I wondered guys? Wondered that too because because he's holding him down under the yeah, water, and I'm like, exactly. oh, are they really going to go there? And it doesn't, it doesn't exactly. look like these are stunt people. It looks like these are the actors these, doing yeah. it. They're the actors. They're just rolling down the quarry. <laughs> but yeah, the, all the firefights were the, like the action in this story was all very very good and exciting. It, did anybody else think it was weird though that they're firing bullets and not lasers? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I caught that. Yes. Well, and you know, when when they get a, a note from from Earth, it's on a typewriter. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like this isn't that far. It, it probably at the beginning of the story, and I just missed it. It was like the year is two thousand fourteen. <laughs> We're in it's, space. It's, tw- it's twenty four seventy two. Oh, is it? 
they make a note of they make a note of saying that because the calendar there's a, a paper calendar. A paper calendar. But Joe Grant is talking to that that young lady colonist, and she says, "Oh, is this what they're wearing on Earth now?" And she says, "Yeah, I guess this is." And she says, "Oh, yeah." And it's like, "Well, it is 72." She says, "Yeah, it is 1972." And the girl looks at her and says, "No, it's 2472." <laughs> and Joe was like, oh, "I'm in the future." And it's like, and I was like. Time and space, lady. Yet, come on. That's that's a good point. To her, it wasn't even she. The time aspect of it didn't even occur to her initially. She's just on no. a different planet. Yeah, exactly. She, she, yeah, she didn't process any of it. Uh, and I thought it was a disservice at the end too, when the doctor says, like, when they're like laughing at the brig. Should we explain it to him? Nah, he'd never understand. Dumb old army. Oh, the brig. Oh, brigadier. So, any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this sucker? Uh, I love that at the end, the master just sneaks away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very good at that. Yep. Exactly. He, he just literally sneaks away, and his TARDIS goes just like that. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and he leaves the parking brake on, too, so it's perfect. You know. <laughs> So, all right, one out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Dave, you got to go first. Uh, I'm going to give it a three out of five. I, I enjoyed watching it. It could have been trimmed down a little bit, but, you know, and, and again, part of my enjoyment was that I just haven't watched anything from this time period in a while. So it was fun getting back into that Pertwee era. And, and like I said, the action and how dynamic everything was when it wasn't being ground to a halt. Uh but yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it. If if it came up again, I wouldn't say Ugh, not this one. Uh, it, it it was fun. There wasn't the story was not told as deftly as it could have been. Uh, but you know, you can say that about a lot of Doctor Who. I think. True. Very very true. Yeah. No, I think this definitely could have been trimmed at least one or two episodes easily. All right, Mikey. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um, I've seen better. I've seen worse. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, doctor and master, uh, obviously it takes a little while for the master to come in, but once he does it, Delgado and Pertwee have, have great chemistry together. It's fun. And they're, they're on screen a lot together in this. It's not like they're separated through most of it. And, uh, and I enjoyed, you know, that it is of its time. So yes, the special effects and some things are, are not nearly to the quality that we would expect or that we'd like, but um, they tell the story. And I would say definitely for those people who are interested in watching it, uh, don't, don't sit down and, and watch it in three hours, break it up to at least an hour a day or so. And uh, cause I did find that the half hour increments did fly by. Um, and so when I did watch it for an hour, I was like, Oh, okay, I'm done. I'll move on to something else. And then, uh, so I, I did think that way it was a little bit uh, easier to take. Okay, perfect. Mary? I'm going to go right in the middle and give it a 2.5. I mean, I I actually really like Pertwee's Doctor, and I think this one suffers in comparison to a lot of other Pertwee stories. It's hardly the worst thing I've ever seen, but um, there's a lot that are better than this. And uh, it's not Malcolm Hulk's best effort, that that's for sure. And it could, I think it could have been two episodes <laughs> instead of six. 
but there are some good pieces in it. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily say don't watch it, but but I think it's very good advice not to watch it all in one sitting because I really don't think it works well that way. So yeah, middle two point five. Okay. <sighs> okay. This is tough for me because I want to really hate this one, but I don't <laughs> despise it, you know, and I think some of the acting saved this one because it was not the best story. So I'm going to go middle of the road with the guys and have to do a three. You know, I didn't, I was thinking, does it deserve a three and a half? No, not at all. But, you know, it's got to be a three. It, it's Pertwee is just amazing in this. You know, I want to learn how to do Venetian Okido. And, you know, <laughs> to, I, you know, it's just like I can add it to my other training. So it's it would be fun to do. And it would be great to see, you know, him, you know, learn how to do it, what kind of what he based it off of. I think he talks about it in a couple of videos that you could see on some of the extras where he learned how to do Okido and brought it into the show. But definitely we'd love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at earthstationwho.com. And, you know, we're going to be back again in two weeks, and we are going to be talking all about the Paternoster gang. We're going back with season three, going back to Big Finish, folks. So it should be a lot of fun to do. And, of course, we want to thank Dave for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. It was really great to, to get back into some Doctor Who and to talk to you guys again. Oh, dude, you're always welcome. You have an open door. You know that. Anything you want to promote, like Needless uh, Things? Of course. Uh, you can find Needless Things wherever you get your podcast. Every single Friday, there's a new episode. Uh, and the first Friday of every month will be an episode of Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. Uh, and then once we get sort of everything back under, under control, everybody gets their vaccines and everything's all safe again, we will resume four needless things a month uh, it, with an additional uh, audible interlude. So five total episodes. We just, for right now, it's just not practical uh, to get together. I totally understand that. Totally understand that. And of course, let's thank our regulars. Mary, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Uh, despite what I what I sounded like on this episode, Pertwee's actually one of my favorite doctors. Oh, I could understand that. Do you want to promote your artwork? You can find me at mariogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Excellent. And Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. We have another Dragon Con report coming up very soon, we don't do. we? We do, yep. So that'll and, keep us busy. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, the con that the little con that hopes to go this year. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. So we definitely thank you guys for listening. But on behalf of myself, Mike, Mary, and Dave, we will see you here next time on the Earth Station Who podcast. Peace. And enjoy your TARDIS ride home. Wolf, 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 wolf. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. 
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.